Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Love at First Psych, a Psych First Watch Rewatch podcast. I am on your co-host, Jay Christie, joined as always by first-time psych watcher, Andre Barrera. Andre, how are you? You know, it's been a tough day. It's a very gloomy day in Southern California. We're May at the end of May. So uh, all things aside, I, I feel a lot better after watching this episode. I'm glad to hear it. Um, I know that you're probably still upset because last night, of course, your Lakers got eliminated. Um, oh, actually, I'm um, so relieved about that. I mean, it sucks, but at least I can move on with my life. Yeah. Also, the thing is, it's not – no one in the right – no one in good conscience can say that the Lakers were a better team than the Nuggets, so it's not like it's a huge disappointment, you know? No, we got fucking skull-fucked. Exactly, and that's a great way to start this episode. We're talking about – Season, sorry, season two, episode nine, Bounty Hunters, and you got to say it loud because there's the exclamation point. Um, what's your what's your pitch experience with Benny? Have you ever had an experience with Bounty Hunters? Because I have not. No, you know, I never. I was never a huge fan, or never gave a shit about Dog the Bounty Hunter. Yeah, um, never watched it. I remember watching like a John Oliver episode about Bounty Hunters, and they seem like really horrible people. Yeah, it's just a really uh, a sleazy business. Um, you know, it's one of those things where you can really judge a book by its cover. You see what bounty hunters generally look like, not the type of people you yeah. trust to be on the up and up. But we start off in 1987 where we see a bounty hunter who's played by a shitty guy, Kevin Sorbo. Uh, yeah, yeah. One of the worst people, uh, uh one of the worst famous people opinions wise. Um, in case you guys don't know, he's a complete like right wing nut. And when I say that, I don't just mean that he has right wing politics. I mean, like he goes, he's just like puts the most racist horrible shit on twitter and uh yeah he's the worst is he still on twitter i think so yeah i mean he d- everyone's back on twitter these days except for trump you know because elon's in charge i see so he didn't go to truth i mean no one the thing is the reason why no one's really on truth social is because the secret that the right wing the MAGA folks won't tell you is that they actually don't want to be on their own thing, because if you if you're on a social media platform that's all conservative, you can't own the libs. Part they want they want to you know make fun of libs, and so they can't do that if I'm true social. Um, but anyway, Kevin Sorbo in like the last few years before he started having to do straight to DVD uh, Christian movies is in this episode. Um, wasn't he the guy he who replaced? Ba- uh, wasn't he the guy who replaced Nicolas Cage in like the new Left Behind movies? He did he? I can't I only saw the first Left Behind because, yeah, it looks like he did. Which wow, that's a real uh. Wow, he apparently he's the most recent one he directed. Wow, oh, God, you might need to watch that one for science. I might have to watch all of them. Honestly, I might need to do that. I I've I can't say I've because I spent a lot of time watching dumb movies for dumb reasons. I actually don't think I've done that dumb before, but. Yeah, it's a thing I could Kirk do. Cameron, Kirk Cameron inspires. Uh, well, yeah, because well, Kirk Cameron did the original series, which were like very faithful to the books. And I saw the original, the, the Nick Cage Left Behind. It's actually in the last day of a college class because I took a college class about the Bible and the apocalypse. And as just as like a fun bit, and the last day we watched the Nick Cage Left Behind. And the thing about it is, it's like unlike the original Left Behind, which is very much in a theology. The Nick Cage one is basically like trying to be a regular disaster type movie, but then like, oh right. my God, it's about God. And it's like, they're trying to figure out like why one of the flight attendants disappeared and they look in her bag and there's a Bible. 
Good lord. And, and like, the too. people who stay alive are, like, Nick Cage, the flight attendant he's cheating on his wife with, like, four people on the plane who are, like, all, like, bad or vain people, and then a really good guy, but who's Muslim. So the idea is he's, this guy's a very nice guy, but because he's Muslim, he doesn't get raptured. Just real offensive movie. Okay. Can't wait to anyway. watch it. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah. So, Kevin Sorbo, Sorbo, he just looks like the coolest guy ever. Yeah, he shows up in, like, a sick car, um, and he's got some dude that he wrangled, which, you know, um, if we're keeping it 100, um, doesn't seem like the hardest guy to wrangle, but neither does the other guy in the later in the episode. Yeah. Um, and a young Sean and Gus are sitting out in front waiting for Henry to get out of work, and they're super impressed with him, you know? I, he looks yeah. kind of badass with the all-leather kind of deal and uh, the long mm-hmm. hair. So I get it. I As a kid, I probably would have thought this guy was cool too, honestly. Yeah, and you have to remember, like, these are kids who they grew up, you know, with the original Star Wars trilogy. They probably love Boba Fett. Who? What is Boba Fett's job? He's a bounty hunter. You know what I mean? It's, uh... Yeah, he went out like a bitch in those movies, though. Of course, but people forget that intentionally because he has a cool-looking outfit. If you actually watch what Boba Fett does... And a cool in... ship. Well, yeah, he has a cool ship, which is called, what, the Slaver One, I think? Um, and, Slave uh, One. Slave... Yeah, I know they changed it because they didn't want to have to sell merchandise that said slave on it, which, honestly, fair. Like, that's one of those decisions I'm like, it's not a bad idea. Um, you don't want to yeah. sell, like, a Lego set that says slave on it. But yeah, he doesn't actually work. do that much cool stuff in the actual movies. But anyway. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But Henry then admonishes Sean for admiring the bounty hunter. Yeah, you know, he tells him. I mean, obviously, I guess it's the lesser of two evils in a way. Uh, I don't know how you else you can slice it but basically he says that they do it the wrong way um the only way to like you know properly arrest people or like hold people responsible is by doing it with a badge he's not about justice he's just about the money son exactly so then we cut to the future well the present and we see Lasseter doing giving a talk to everyone about an escape guy named Dwayne Tancana um who has 12 counts of grand larceny, and he was just charged with the murder of Isabella Cole, and he escaped. Is it Tancana or Sancana? I thought it was Tancana, but I'm going to keep calling him Dwayne because I'm not really sure. I think it's Tancana. Okay, though. I'll tell you what. It was a fucking pain in the ass to type on my notes app because it just kept... It uh, kept auto-correcting to everything. Yeah, anything else. The Tanzania. Yeah. Yeah. It. Um, so anyway, uh, he's explaining that he got out, and some cop was like... How did he manage to escape? And the thing I do like, I like that Lassie has a nice moment where he does, he just is like, it doesn't matter. Like he tries to cover up for Juliet, which I like. Not even cover up, but just like not make a big deal of it. You know what I mean? Because he's like not actually like a horrible person, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, he's he's very like fair to her. Um, and I just realized that this dude is that one guy from fucking Deadwood. Yeah, W.R.L. Brown. He's from a lot of stuff. I mean, yes, but I mean, I I don't even remember him from Vanilla Sky. Why the master? My, I, I mean, he's I, he's in he's in Scream. Yeah, he's he the guy that's in Scream. And he plays the mentally challenged brother in there. Something about Mary. Um, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's in a lot of stuff. <laughs> Holy shit! Wow, what a career for this guy. Yeah, W Earl Brown. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so Juliet then takes responsibility herself. Apparently, he <clears throat> headbutted her and she got away. Like. You know, she's being really hard on herself, but she got headbutted, and I feel like if you, if I got headbutted in any situation, I'd be dazed for long enough where someone could escape because you just don't expect people in real life to headbutt, you know? 
Yeah, man, that, that would be painful. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, she's got a nice uh, little shiner on her forehead. She's got some stitches, and um, lo and behold, our uh, not our friend. Uh, I'm not even gonna say that because he's such a shithead. But uh, mm-hmm. Bird Tatum shows up. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what thirty years later, twenty years later, yep. twenty years later, twenty years looks later. the same. Yeah, yep. I gotta say he's he's he he doesn't look like he's had a lot of work done. So mm-hmm. good on him. Um, and he's there because there is a fifty thousand dollar bounty on Dwayne Tantana. Yes. So, you know, yes, put up by the husband of uh, the woman who was killed, Elizabeth Cole. Now, Lassie Norris says that Bird is drinking out of his mug, which is really disrespectful. Um, and they, Lassie doesn't want Bird there because they don't like bounty hunters, and um, you know. Uh, the husband of the deceased, who we now know is a piece of shit, so I can feel saying this, is a real dick for no reason. Like, the like, you know, you didn't, you were ineffectual, so I'm hiring this guy. It's like, I don't know. I don't necessarily trust the police, but I definitely probably trust a full police force that, over one guy with a fucking vest on. Yeah, yeah, he is a piece of shit. Um, and you know what I, I did notice? I think this is the first episode that Lassie doesn't have his, uh, sling, his yeah. uh, arm sling anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Uh, he, and so, you know, after that, uh, Lassie basically says that he's going to round up some people and they're going to go after Tancan, uh, Dwayne and he makes Jewel stay behind, which, you know, makes her think that she's being punished for originally letting him, uh, letting yeah. him go. And, and she is, you know, but it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, Lassie tries to lay her down gently. You know, he could have been a dick mm-hmm. about it. He's had, he has been a dick about it before, but he just mm-hmm. says that they're going to take care of it. Because Vic mm-hmm. is out of town, so he's calling the shots. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so uh, Juliet suggests that they have all the manpower, which then forces – she calls Sean, and Lassie has to talk. And they uh, end up coming in, and they notice Bird. Um, and he's, you know, they're really admiring him. And uh, they learn all the – they learn the, the, the details of the case that um, Isabel Cole was strangled with bare hands, uh, that – and her husband was knocked out, and, um, yeah, so they then want to, um, before they go on the case, they want to quickly ask a question of, uh, Mr. Bird, of Bird Tatum's, and, uh, yeah, so they ask Mr. Cole about the bounty, and the, the question is, is it for everyone, and it is. Yeah. Um, and so I forgot how this happens, but they basically get a glimpse at some of the crime scene photos and Sean notices right away. There's a mark on the wife's neck. So we find out that she was strangled to death, allegedly Mm -hmm. by Dwayne. Um, so Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, that's kind of what we're going off of. And Lassie Mm -hmm. comes over and basically breaks down that, you know, that he hates bounty hunters so much that they're just a knuckle above Mm-hmm. Um, above or below psychics on the scale Ooh. of righteous people, I guess. Yep. And so when they're talking to Cole and Bird, they after the conversation, they're talking about how they smell Bird's hair. They smell kangaroo paste, which is apparently a, a hair gel that only is available in Australia. Now, this is notable because they think that it's Bird's, but of course, we learn it's not later. Um, and Bird yeah. is going out, and they start asking for some friendly tips. You know, stay out of my way. And we learn he said, mentions that this is probably going to if he ends up getting them the fifty thousand, this is going to be his last run. He's going to open up a bar in Key West, uh, with and set and retire, which of course makes uh, Sean duck. 
I don't know. I like that. Bit. Well, I like the bit of him ducking anytime someone makes says that it's the last job. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's true. Um, so again, they like. I think Gus makes a nice tango and cash dig as far as like yep. who's going to be the investors in his bar because mm-hmm. I mean I can't imagine a bar in Key West would be that cheap. But no, okay, there's sure. very little land, and it's a very popular tourist destination. Wait, do you remember where that show Bloodline took place? Was that in the Keys? It took place in the Keys. I didn't it, the Keys of the Everglades. I never watched, but it was in that area. But it, I, I think that was on like the nat, like the not popular Keys. Like there are a lot of Keys, and the West is like the popular tourist destination. I don't know if Bloodline Bloodline felt like it was mostly in like the more rugged areas of Florida, whereas Key West it is like, like very that. much a what? It seemed like that to me. Yeah, Key West is very much a touristy, it's a very, um, I mean, now I don't know, but it was for a long, for a long time one of the most uh, popular gay areas in the country, um, and uh, so I'm oh, genuinely yeah. worried about them, because I remember when I went there, there was a million different drag bars, and this was like, you know, 15 years ago, um, but uh, Ernest Hemingway's house was there, there was just things I remember that. Isn't yeah. there that one house with like all the haunted dolls or something, or one haunted doll? I think so. I didn't go to the haunt. I don't generally go on those haunted things, but I think that there is a there's a lot of ghost stuff there because it's a it's you know a place that there have been a lot of um, like in terms of places in Florida, it's been continuously populated for a very long time. Just given that it was like pretty early on in the country's history, a, a popular tourist spot and a place for people like summer because it's a beautiful island. Yeah. Have you ever been? Uh, no, but uh, no. No, I well, you better I soon because I mean, it's, it's going to be underwater in like a day. I had a project that was going to be there at my old firm, but now I'm going to be in Orlando in August. If you're gonna hey, you, you know who lives in Orlando? The other Christie brothers. Um, if you need places oh, recommendations, yeah, they, they both live in Orlando. I was in Orlando two weekends ago. Okay. Well, yeah, if you yeah, need a I'll restaurant uh, recommendation. Uh, I can get you something that, or if you want a restaurant recommendation, I can probably get you something. If you want a bar that will overserve you, I can definitely get you something. Um, how far so, is how far is Punta Gordo from? Well, they don't live in Punta Gordo. Is three and a half hours from Orlando? Oof. Okay, never mind. Florida's a big state. Okay. Yeah, I know. Is I mean, it? Is that in Central Florida? Yeah, Orlando is no, in Central Florida, be. and it's relatively north. Well, the Punta Gorda is in the southwest area. Which yeah, is the home, okay. my hometown for listeners. Um, yes. But no, that's not where my brothers live anyway. My brothers live in, in either yeah. address says Orlando. Um, gotcha. So, anyway. uh, yeah. So Gus, you know, after meeting with Bird, mm-hmm. uh, he declares that he hates that guy. And Sean, yeah. you know, as he's, as, in, as he's ever the wise person, mentions mm-hmm. never meet your childhood heroes, which, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm glad to hear that that's the case. I think at some point I did look up to Kevin Sorbo because I did like Hercules a lot. But yeah, uh, yeah. Um, were you a big fan of that pa- the Power Hour or whatever it was with him and Zena? With Zena, yeah, mm-hmm. I was. I mean, I think that happened like right after school, like mm-hmm. two p.m. And then were you getting into like the other stuff, like the Jack of All Trades and stuff like that? <laughs> no, but I did watch uh, my fair share of Doctor Quinn, Medicine Woman. What about uh, what is it, Cleopatra twenty? 20- 20 was that was called i didn't see that i didn't see that okay. you, you know what's funny mm-hmm. my wife just actually um she just got her health insurance through her job and her female doctor is named dr quinn and i just had to make that joke and she, i mean a, it fell upon deaf ears because i don't think that she I mean, existed in joking one of my favorite 
I mean, as people know, my favorite movie of all time is the 2006 film Talladega Nights about Ricky Bobby. And one of my favorite lines is when they're yelling at the grandpa about because the, the grandpa's mad that the kids are like swearing it's like the, and the names are walker and texas ranger and it's like if we wanted to raise some wussies we would have named them dr quinn and medicine woman <laughs> i don't i watched that movie once i don't remember shit about it well if you ever want to see it on blu-ray i just got a copy for my birthday um nice anyway did not know that was my favorite Sp- movie it is yeah michael springthorpe got me my letterbox top three uh on blu-ray because I'm starting a physical media collection, so he got me Talladega Nights, uh, Boogie Nights, and uh, Spotlight. So, anyway. Wow. So, uh, uh, yeah. And, and then this, of course, when Sean mentions that Gus once ran into Judge Reinhold. Anyway, um, they go over to Juliet's desk, and she's watching a cell phone video of uh, Dwayne escaping. And Sean mentions something. Yeah. Uh, sorry, he notices something on his wrist. Yeah, he notices he's wearing one of those, like, uh, medical condition bracelets, mm-hmm. the one that tell you, like, if you're diabetic or have some sort of issue. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he guessed that, and Jules confirms that he does, in fact, have a heart condition. Yeah. So, yeah. And not only that, but apparently uh, he also has a cousin in town. And so that's the next place to look. But Sean, more than anything, pledges that he's going to make this right for her. Yeah, exactly. So they go to Marvin's where the cousin works as a cook. And uh, the cousin does seems pretty dismissive of them. And we notice that uh, he's cooking some stuff. And Sean says, Tankan is here. Why? Well, because the two truckers ordered burgers. One guy with a bottle of Russian dressing clearly ordered a Reuben. So why is the cook on the flat top making egg whites? It's a heart-healthy meal, baby. Yeah, and that's off the menu. Uh, so mm-hmm. clearly he's making it for someone special. And maybe it's his cousin. And turns out, yeah, it is. And he's in the back, and right before Sean and Gus are about to like mm. pop in there because mm. they're kind of scared about confronting the whole thing, mm. uh, Bird shows up, and he's right on the he's right on the case. He, he mm-hmm. fucking makes his way to the back. Dwayne like hops his way out of like the uh, the w- kitchen window, mm. and um, and you know, Bird grabs him, and Dwayne, you know, like a total badass, mm. just smashes that motherfucker's face right into mm. like a plate of hash browns or something, and mm. he takes off. Yep. And so, yeah, then Sean and Gus get in the car. They're trying to get away. And who's in the backseat of the car? None other than uh, Dwayne Tankana. Um, by the way, I, he- I do hear Sorry, the my sounds cat's, of a cat. My cat's, my cat's fucking playing with the fucking bones. Yeah, how, how's Meowie? I know that. Is she, has she been having issues? She needs spiritual guidance. She's yeah. been a disaster today. <laughs> anyway. So, I can't, yeah, I can't they, imagine having kids, man. Honestly. Because, I mean, well, thing about kids is they actually can get spiritual guidance, whereas cats can't understand. The, they don't understand the concepts of a higher power. So, um, yeah. So uh, they they're driving and they're they're saying they're going to turn um, Dwayne in because he's handcuffed and everything. So he's like, you know, right for the taking. Sean mentions he says that Sean Spencer, I'm a psychic bounty hunter, and this is my partner Galileo Humpkins. Um, yeah, I like that name. But in, and that's in, when this Dwayne... is where Dwayne. Yeah, go. Yeah. Dwayne basically says, you know, he's not going to deny it. He's a thief, but he is no murderer. Mm-hmm. And this is when he starts mentioning that he had a partner on this job named Gord Del Becchio. Mm-hmm. And by the time he got there and like did his thing, uh, there was already a woman dead on the second floor. So he's mm-hmm. claiming to not have had anything to do with the murder. Mm-hmm. And I, you know what? At this point, I, I believe him. I do. Yeah. 
And so he's like, well, Delbecchio will be gone by now, so we really can't find him. Um, and so we then cut to the police station where Bird is has an ice pack on his forehead, and he's telling uh, Lassie and Jules that the car that he got in was a blue Echo. And so they know that it's Sean, so Lassie calls Sean, and they He knows that it's Gus's. They, yes, he knows it's Gus's. And they're, you know, he's like, get back here now, and he puts Juliet on the phone. Um, and there's insistent that they don't like send any cops or anything that they're going to drive him by themselves. And he says to Juliet, you got to admit it. You're a little turned on, you know, the bounty hunter thing, the psychic thing is sexy, but the bounty hunter thing. And, you know, Juliet does not pick, take the bait. He's just, he's in his own, he's hyping himself up. Yeah. And I appreciate that because I don't think, I don't think I've ever, I don't know, man. Maybe I don't live in like the Midwest. Sorry, I don't mean to disparage the Midwest or anywhere no, you else. No, dip- you can you can disparage the Midwest. Okay. Yeah, I can't picture any woman being into a bounty hunter. It's just like a very dangerous lifestyle. The money is sporadic. At least not a woman who like is like, not Juliet. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there probably is like a, you know, trashy person who would, but. Certainly not a police officer. Exactly. Um. And so, uh, yeah, what then? I, what um, Dwayne then mentions is that Delbecchio kept going on about how the robbery wasn't the real story, that he had something even bigger, that was cash, some more cash was coming in. And so uh, he's trying to get them to take a detour to, you know, to get some clues. But um, they Wait, just sorry, decides did not you, to. Did you, did, did you mention the fact that the cops had already looked into Delbecchio's story? And they oh, right. Yeah, sorry. That he, yes. Yeah, yeah. That, that he was not involved. Right. Um, Correct. And so Gus decides they're going to take him to the police station. They call to say that they're right downstairs. But by the time the police get down there, Sean and Gus are handcuffed together and uh, Dwayne is in the wind. Yeah. Yeah. So Sean, after recovering from that embarrassment, um, they, they, they're headed somewhere. Um, they're trying to pick up where Dwayne originally said he was going. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, yeah, they're heading to wherever Dwayne said he was going. He mentioned turn left on this one street, head towards the pier. And mm, Sean, yeah. in his psychic uh, brilliance, deduces mm. that it's not actually a house. It's actually mm. a house boat. A house boat. So th- yeah, so they're on Henry's boat heading towards uh, what looks like a decrepit, uh, mm. you know, aging boat. And they hop on, not before, you know, Gus mentions he doesn't want to go on that boat. You know, t- fair enough. Mm. I wouldn't want to head on this boat either. Mm. And sure enough, Dwayne's on the boat. Whoa, whoa. You, you missed a great joke, which is a reference to a movie I've never even seen. But I do just love the, the I'm pretty sure this is the boat from Dead Calm. Oh, now we got to deal with Billy Zane. <laughs> okay, whenever, yeah, yeah. I love whenever Gus says something like sincere like that to a movie reference. Like, oh, great. Now we got to deal with Billy Zane. <laughs> yeah, it's um, this yeah, one. And he, on also mentions, he also mentions like the, the couple from Deep Water or Deep. No, is it Deep Water? Open Water. That's later, but yeah. Open Water. Open Water. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the um, references are on point. Yeah, uh, and so, you know, Wayne's not happy to see them, and Sean's looking around for clues, and he sees that there are some torn up pieces of paper that are for bands of money, which, you know, makes sense that, that he's being paid off in some way, and they also find his phone, which is dead, and they find the necklace, which made the imprint on the wife's neck. Boom, boom, bang. That's a clue. Del Vecchio was involved. Yes, and then shortly after that, they hear a couple of real bangs some mm-hmm. gunshots going off. Um, and unfortunately it's happening when Sean is on the phone with Henry, who's asking mm-hmm. if they're going to come for dinner tonight. And mm-hmm. 
you know, Henry's always concerned for Sean, and he asks if those are gunshots, and he says that they're not. They're watching a T. They're watching something. They're watching Midnight office. Run. They're watching Midnight yes. Run. Okay, Great I movie. need to see that movie. I've been hearing so movie. many references to it lately. It's all Ringer influence. I mean, it, yeah, Bill Simmons loves it, but it is also like a, it's a great eighties movie, and it's like you know, just great comedy action. And then at the end, you're like, I thought this was just a light action movie, and you're about to cry. These guys, they they got to you. That's one of those movies, anyway. Great movie. Did you did you listen to the Robert De Niro drop today? Uh, no, I didn't. I have not yet. Okay, but uh. Yeah, I assume it's on there because it's one of his best performances because it's so. It's on there because it's it's, it's not controversial. Oh, that's I don't even want to know who's. Don't even tell me who's holding it. That's not. This shouldn't be controversial at all. Um, No, no, because someone takes it and the other person really wanted it. Oh, oh, it's a draft. Okay, I thought it was like a hall of fame. Okay, if it's a draft, then yes, that's understandable. That would be controversial. Anyway, um, there's something to get out of the way. Sean makes the boat go forward. Bird falls off. And they realize that they didn't actually tie the they didn't tie Henry's boat to the big boat, and so they have to jump in the water. And sure enough, um, Wayne gets. I love to that shot, Dwayne. I love yeah. that shot of their like stunt performers that looked nothing yeah. like them. Great. Exactly. I don't know why they kept that in. They should have shot it from behind. But anyway, correct. Um, correct. Dwayne gets to Henry's boat first, and they have to get picked up by Bird. Uh, you know, so big. They took a big L. But uh, then they find they go yeah. to find Juliet, and she's at a diner. Yeah, she she looks distraught, um, and she's like in an existential crisis about her mistake with Dwayne. Um, She explains that, like, that she's been living her life, you know, following the rules, and she's always felt Mm -hmm. good about it. But the one time that it goes against her, like, it just it Mm -hmm. it fucks her up basically. Mm -hmm. And so she she needs to go back to the office, but she leaves her files behind which they mm. look through and that's when they see some photos of um, Dwayne's uh, tattoos and they notice mm. a tattoo that looks like it says Barb because it's B-A-R and then 13. Yeah. Um, and, and right then and there, I'll just say this. I thought that it was going to be um, that's bar 13 was like the bar that like bird wanted to open in Key West. So oh, way interesting. Interesting. But no, it's a biker bar, which I feel like, Biker bars are something that I only understand through pop culture. Like, I've never even, like... Have you ever even been close to biker culture at all in your life? Because I have no relation to it. Yes. Yes. I have. Okay. Um, you don't have to go... You however, don't have to elaborate. No, no. However, I would not be afraid of a biker bar in Santa Barbara. Let's just say that. That's fair. Yeah, it's funny. I, it's funny that where I grew up in Florida, there was, like, biker stuff, but it was so clearly, like, retire... Like early retirees whose kids didn't want to talk to them anymore because their political views. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I yeah. mean, that's like half a Florida these days. Um, yeah. Anyway, so they go in and Sean's like, pretend we're in Roadhouse and Gus claims Patrick Swayze and Sean correctly claims Sam Elliott. I would rather be, I don't say he dies, but I mean, Sam Elliott in Roadhouse, I mean, that's who you want to be. I've never seen Roadhouse. <laughs> oh my God. Sam Elliott played one You'd be like, Sam Elliott is super hot in a movie? Yes, he is. Don't, I swear to God. And he comes in, and he has his regular voice, and he calls Patrick Swayze. He calls him Miho, which, if Sam Elliott could look me in the eyes and call me Miho affectionately, it would be, I would pay thousands of dollars for that. Wait, like the Hispanic version of Miho? Yes. Yes, yeah, like, it's like, you learn well, Miho. Great movie. Oh, Lord. Okay. You know it's a good action movie? Because the guy who directed it, its name is Rowdy Harrington. His name is Rowdy. 
Wow. And aren't they redoing it with Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah, and, in, and he's going to be like an MMA fighter, which is dumb. The whole thing about Roadhouse is that he's a fucking NYU philosophy major who happens to be a good at being a bouncer. Um, is that what it was? I mean, that's the thing that he did. He canonically does have a philosophy degree from NYU, but the whole thing is that he's just like a guy who's known for being a good bouncer, and it's because he has like a stoic column. He's not... He's not even the best fighter. Like, he's good at fighting, but he's not, like, the biggest guy in the world. He doesn't have, like, a famous background. He's just known as a guy who can get a rough bar under control. But it's Doug Lyman. I know. I So that's, like, I'll watch it because I trust Doug Lyman. I mean, you know I'll watch it because I fucking watched his his uh, quarantine movie. So, like, obviously I'll watch almost anything Doug Lyman makes. But um, anyway. So, uh, yeah, they go to the bar, and they start asking questions about Dwayne Tankana. Bad idea. They end up strung upside down on chains. Yeah. Um, and earlier in the episode, or sorry, like right before this, we see that one of the bar patrons is wearing like a Confederate flag bandana, which is just like spells all kinds of bad things. Yeah. But, yeah, so they get hung out to dry. And mm-hmm. sure enough, Dwayne is there and he, you know, he bails them out, you know, fair mm-hmm. enough. He, you know, they've been good to him. He's kind of good to them here. He does mention that like the people there at the bar are very dangerous. Mm-hmm. They don't particularly strike me as the most intimidating group of people. However, I did notice that the bartender is like a guy who played um, Jason, Ken Kiersinger, Kiersinger. Yeah. One of the Jasons? I did. Yeah, one of the Jasons. I know that there. I know that there. I don't know if it's him, but I know that one of the Jasons hated one of the other Jasons. And when the one the one Jason died, said like the world's better off with that or something like that. I remember that there was controversy because of that, but I don't know. Oh no, 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 no! It wasn't that. It wasn't that. It was uh, Leatherface. Oh, it was Leatherface. That was right. You're right. Sorry. It was Andrew Brunyarski um, who hated uh, Gunnar Hansen, the original Leatherface. <laughs> Just that's such a bizarre bit of drama that that happened. <laughs> and it's so um, anyway. bizarre that I fucking know that. Yeah, I mean, that's why we do this podcast together. It's like, oh, why do you do a yeah. podcast with someone a decade older than you on the other side of the country you've only met a couple times in person? Oh, because we both know what we're talking Like, I'm like, wasn't there a thing? Oh, right, because it's Connor Hanson heated. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Sean wants them, Sean wants Dwayne to let them take him back into custody. And he says, of course, no. And so what they decide is that they'll let them leave if they he uses psychic ability to find Del Becchio. Um, and so the one last piece of the deal is that Sean gets to take one of the biker guys' vests, and so they're done. Boom. And then this is when Gus mentions Open Water, which is a movie I never saw. I assume you saw it just based on the, your age around the time, or no? I haven't. I thought it was like, it seemed like a very boring fucking movie, so I Same. just didn't yeah. bother. Yeah, I'm not interested. Yeah. So then Gus and Sean head to the psych office, and mm-hmm. uh, they're pulling up, and Bird is there waiting for them. By the way, I just I I think we failed to mention like not that it's worth mentioning, but it's just funny that he looks great, um, mm-hmm. uh, Kevin Sorbo, but his car he could use uh, right. he could use a little bit of TLC. It's very clear uh, that he has not been super successful in the intervening years. I think it's the same car, just worse, you know. Um, correct. Yeah, it's the same car, and so he's waiting there for them. So they duck in the car, and how they manage to not hit anything um, is. Mm-hmm you know miraculous so they redirect they head to henry's house because mm-hmm. henry's happening. at the store and so they're hoping to recharge um del Becchio's phone before um it's uh before henry gets home even though it's waterlogged 
and uh, Henry ends up coming home pretty quickly. And the excuse of who uh, Dwayne is is that he is one of their old camp counselors, Whitefeather from Camp Tikiyama. Yeah, uh, <laughs> not the name I would have picked, but uh, so yeah. Uh, Henry, oh, Henry's cooking. That... Henry's cooking some skirt steak. So like, you might be like, why is Sean going to go over to his dad's house for dinner a lot? You know, we, they don't really like each other. If my dad was, even if I had a strained relationship, if my dad's cooking some skirt steak, I'd put some things aside. You know what I mean? It's good. You know. Correct. Yes. Yes. Uh, but unfortunately, skirt steak isn't the best for Dwayne. So no. uh, I think Gus asked if he has some egg whites. Yeah. Um, and that's when we got Sean mentioning uh, Camp Tiki Barber, which was a reference I appreciated. Yeah. You know, I Obviously. once rode the path train with uh, Tiki Barber. Or it might have been Rondé Barber. It's impossible to tell. Um, but... Yeah. that's both true but also a joke i did once i was yes, saying i was yeah. probably like five feet away from i assume it was tiki given that it was in new jersey but um yeah anyway yeah uh, th- they're identical twins for the people who don't watch football it's a dumb joke yeah um and so henry's asking um Dwayne some questions about sean about camp tikihama and Dwayne's giving all the wrong answers. He's saying that Sean was a good kid. He had a lot of school start camp spirit, was a real stickler for the rules. And as this is happening, Sean and Gus get the phone back up and running. And it's almost impossible to make out what's on there. Something about a drop. And Sean like is trying to figure out what the letters are. Um, and uh, he ends up realizing that it says money drop off Meadow Park. And as this is happening, Henry asked uh, Dwayne what he was a can- counselor of. Yeah, and he mentions it was like uh, music and it was archery and drama. Archery and drama, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Um, so this is already Henry knows that this is bullshit. Mm-hmm. So um, he shows. I mean, he basically tells him that he needs them to get the fuck out. Yeah, and it turns out that the Meadow Park is not a park because they try to Google it and yeah. or not Google it, but they try to search for it and it, there's no Meadow Park. Um, it turns out it's Meadow Parking, which is a an underground parking lot. Which, goddamn, if it didn't remind me of the parking lot where Trudy died in, in Monk, for whatever reason. Hey, it, you know, it, it, I, I th- if one of them didn't shoot in Vancouver, I would have said it could have been the same one, but I think it actually can't be. Anyway, so they um, leave and they go to the parking garage. One, you see a pineapple on one of the poles there. Like, you know how it's just that's the same pineapple for the episode. But you know how, like, yeah, parking yeah. garages and parking lots will have, like, a symbol for, like, this is the apple. Like, this is, like, parking lot lot G. I guess this is the pineapple oh. lot. I don't know. And when they get yes. there, uh, Del Becchio is sitting there dead. Um, and Sitting uh, there. He's laid out. Laying there. Sorry. And before they can think for two seconds, Bird po- pulls up, throws Wayne into his co- Dwayne into his car, and he's off. And so they're kind of screwed. So he's just sitting there with the dead body. Yeah. But... Sean, you know, he's there around the bodies, checking it out. Gus is in the car with the windows rolled up. And Sean needs a super sniffer. He knows mm-hmm. that, that Gus can can nail this down. And mm-hmm. Gus opens the window for a little bit to say something, and he smells it right off the bat. And uh, they're onto something. Uh, we don't yeah. know quite yet what it is, but the, the you know, yeah. they, they have a plan. Yes. And so then we cut back to the police station. Sean has a briefcase uh, and... Um, Sean doesn't want to spoil it because it's like the time he told him what happened again in War Games, which I just thought was a throwaway joke. But then I realized, you know who directed this episode? John Badham, who is a big 80s director, who directed the 1983 film War Games. It's a little inside joke. 
Oh, wow. With Matthew Broderick. Yes. Never saw it. He also did Saturday Night Fever and a couple other movies. He's just one of those directors. You know, like, there's a lot of 80s and, like, 70s directors. Like, for every major Wait, 70s director... Wait, the fucking Don Travolta movie? Yeah. For every 70s and 80s director who is still, like, making projects like Martin Scorsese, there are people like John Badham who fell into obscurity and had to direct TV. <laughs> like, that's kind of, unfortunately, how it works. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Oof. Yeah, because what happens oh, is generally... Short circuit with this type too. Of, I mean, and that was great for the South Asian community. Um, that <laughs> what, what happens is you look at, like, their 90s, and it's like, oh... Even these movies sucked, didn't make a lot of money, and then by 2005, they're doing procedurals. Sad story, but, you know, at least you made Saturday Night Fever. Anyway. Wait, hold um, on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Sorry. I, I'm i looking up Short Circuit. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think I've only seen Short, Short Circuit 2, because that's the one where Fisher Stevens... Oh, okay. I think Fisher Stevens man. is like the... Correct. I think he's yeah, the main... That's why I made that joke movie. about South Asian people. But... Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I just I didn't know that that um, that Steve Gutenberg was the lead for the first one. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen either. I only know the the Fisher Stevens interview because I remember that was like uh, I remember I think he had like a big article a few years ago where he was talking about like his people pointed that out. And I remember he like had a thing where he you know talked about how you know he, one of the rare times where someone was called out for something and they had like a really responsible and thoughtful take on it like i'm really sorry like this is really fucked up i've spoken to a lot of people about it if i could change anything in my career you know like you know how that never happens in hollywood it was nice when it happened once when instead of being defensive a guy was like yeah that was bad <laughs> anyway dude um, I, I'm, I'm looking up fisher stevens like this guy dated michelle pfeiffer man yeah but... he had and you look at him you're like this man's riz must have been out of control it must have been anyway or he had the best um, coke yeah i <laughs> two the one and the same so they um they meet uh burr just as he's pulling up with Dwayne, and um their whole pitch is that they have the stuff that uh del Becchio stole and it's more four times as much as uh the bounty reward of fifty thousand. but also they mostly argue about whether or not they have it in a briefcase or an attache yeah um i didn't know that was a thing uh to be quite honest with you I think it is um, a briefcase, personally, but... Yeah, correct. Um, and so that's when, like, you know, uh, Bird is like, that's suspicious. Why are you doing it? Why would you give me 200000 when the mm-hmm. bounty's fifty? And Sean mentions they're doing it for the girl. They're not doing it for the money. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. this whole time, if Bird falls for this, like, you've got to be a fucking moron. Mm-hmm. But luckily for him, I guess, in a way, he um, he demands to see the money before he hands over Dantana, Dankana, mm-hmm. Tankana, yeah, fuck, Tankana, Tankana, and uh, they he tosses over Tankana. He opens up the mm-hmm. briefcase. It's full of like medical supplies from mm-hmm. I'm sure Gus's car, and mm-hmm. he pulls out a gun because he's he like pulls out the in front of a police station. He pulls out the biscuit in front of the police station, mm-hmm. and luckily for them, uh, Sean had already called Jules or Lassie or whoever. Mm-hmm. But and, speaking of um, biscuits, am I crazy that like I can't I, I I'm very annoyed that you and I are the only two people still saying that because I thought of some great jokes about John Morant with like I've never seen a person addicted addicted to having biscuits since Colonel Sanders like but I can't make that joke because no one knows that no one gets that slang. 
Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, honestly, I think you're the one that put me on the biscuit talk, to be quite oh, honest. Oh, for me. sure. Yeah, you know, I remember. I definitely I remember exactly how it happened because it was a thing where I would, as a bit, once I went to my older brother's phone, went to autocorrect and changed a bunch of words to dumb early 2000s rap slang. And one of them, the one that took him the longest to realize, what I remember got text like a year later, like, did you make my phone autocorrect gun to biscuit? And I'm like, yes, I did. <laughs> anyway. Um, That's hilarious. So yeah, he. They end up taking him inside to cool down. They take uh, Dwayne into custody. And um, they uh, end up bringing him in. And it seems like it's everything's done, except there's one last thing they needed to deal with. Correct. So Sean and Gus go inside and they mention that last thing they need to deal with, which is that, yes, Dwayne is guilty of robbery, but he's not mm-hmm. guilty of the murder of uh, Cole's wife. Mm-hmm. I forgot what her name was. Um, Isabella, but who cares? She's dead. Yeah, and luckily the husband is there after hours. He's uh he's there to see the mm-hmm. um the the perp turned in, and mm-hmm. that's when like Sean out of nowhere, uh basically breaks down what actually happened, mm-hmm. which is that the husband was responsible for the murder. Mm-hmm. Shocker! Apparently, he killed his wife. He tried to pin it on Tankana. He knocked himself mm-hmm. out with a vase. But what he wasn't depending on. Was that Del Becchio was on the second? Mm-hmm. He that Tankana wasn't alone, and Del Becchio was yeah. there on the second floor and witnessed the murder. He mm-hmm. took the necklace on the wife, and uh, you know he took it and he blackmailed Loman with that. Loman Cole is his name. He yeah. blackmailed him with that information, and um, and you know Cole at some point set up a meeting with Del Becchio to I guess give him some cash as a result. And Cole, like the total badass he is, fucking. Mm-hmm strangles him to death as well yeah uh but unfortunately for him del becchio fought back and actually got his hands through his beautiful head of hair and Mm -hmm. that's the smell that they smelled the first time that they saw bird in the station it was his kangaroo paste on his head so yep you know cole could easily have just passes off as being like what what are you talking about blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. and then they mentioned something about the parking garage and there's being cameras about checking the cameras in the parking garage and Cole implicates himself by saying there were no cameras in that parking garage. And mm-hmm. yeah, rookie he's, mistake. Uh, he's headed rookie to mistake. The, yeah, he's headed to the clink. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so then we cut to the end where Juliet is at her desk wrapping things up and Sean saunters up. And he's like, you know, she's like, I want to say thank you. I really screwed up. And um, he's like, I guess you got to get home to feed your parrot. And then he gets really in close. And it's, she's like, what are you doing? You know, this is a mistake. And what he says he's doing is really close talking. Um, you know, it's a tense moment. It comes out of nowhere, but it's... It comes tension. completely out of nowhere. Yeah, it's like, oh my god. It's... Oof. Uh, yeah. They're, like, talking, like, real fucking close. And mm-hmm. at some point, Sean kind of, like... She asks him a question, and he, like, nods. Yeah. And it's basically, like, a kiss. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking, like, what the fuck? And mm-hmm. so he just takes off after that. And Juliet earlier in the episode, she does uh, the disarming and arming of a gun as a stress mm-hmm. relief tactic. And as soon as like Sean leaves, she proceeds to mm-hmm. do the same thing. So she's clearly mm-hmm. flustered. Yes. And what would you give this episode out of 10? You know what? I would give it in. Um, I would give it an 8.5 out of 10. So would I. I think this is a really good episode. It's got some good character beat. I, I like that it is... The thing I like about it is that it, it is... 
a fun episode with a lot of hijinks, but it is very character based in the motivation that like it the through line of them doing it for Juliet is not really lost. You know what I mean? Like it's that's that's not like just a pretense. That is kind of the whole idea of the episode. And I like when they are able to thread the needle of having something that's both fun but also builds character and is about the character, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um I mean I would have gone with an eight, um, but that spicy ending bumped it up. It's a great ending for me. It definitely is the thing I remember most from this episode. I remember very close talking, you know, um it's just good, it's good stuff, and and this is, I mean, this show predates it, but like, if this show came out like six years later, that would be like the shippers would be going crazy. They'd be making montages just with that scene in slow motion. Um, yeah, absolutely. So anyway, uh, so with that in mind, Andre, where do people follow you on Twitter? Follow me at Andre Barrera. And you can follow me at the J. Christie. Please rate, review, subscribe, follow the show on Twitter at, at First Psych Pod on Twitter. Share the show with the biggest psych fan in your life. And uh, more important than that, tune in next week as we talk about uh, Gus's dad may have killed a guy. <laughs> <laughs>